When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. This is Coogan Cassius for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. We're in Manchester for the formal announcement press conference of uh, December 18th. Parker versus Chisora 2. Mate, that picture you had with Canelo, the one where you looked like some weird father and child combo, what what happened there? Like, How did it... Did you say to him, like, you come in for the hug? We did one, and he went, do one like this, and he gave me a hug. It was nice. You knew what you were doing then. You well, know, I didn't, because I was a couple of tequilas long at the time. Um, that was a... a this restaurant that we went to after. And then we went to a club after where he had like some appearance and it was, I had to leave because it was absolutely mental. Couldn't move. Um, That was a nice picture though. One for the office. Don't realise what an absolute lump I am really, do I? Because like, just look like Huggy Bear. Right, let's talk about the performance first of all. Uh, Obviously a clinical ending. Plant was very game. Um, a worthy competitor. I think most people would agree. Um, how was you scoring it as it was going? I thought Canelo was winning the fight easy. I mean, some people, I looked at Twitter and some people had Plant winning the fight. I don't want to take away from Plant's performance, but I just don't feel that he really truly believed he could win the fight. I and mean, when you go back to the verbal exchanges that you saw, I think it was in the night, I thought it was brilliant. The ninth yeah. round. Yeah. But it was, I didn't feel that Plant was in there with loads of conviction to win. I know it's his style, but it's just, you've got to really be able to punch against Canelo Alvarez. And he was just walking him down all night, putting the pressure on, cutting off the ring, beating him up. And I gave Plant two rounds, three rounds, maybe. Um, and he boxed nice. Listen, he's a great mover. He's, he's a good fighter. But from the naked eye from where I was, he was never in the fight. He was never winning the fight. It was just a case of whether he was going to just get beaten up or get stopped. And he got stopped by just brilliant 
brilliant combinations, you know, left hook at first. And if you watch it in slow-mo, it's the way, it's the clever things that Canelo does, the way, you know, when Plant went to hold him after getting hurt, just bump him off, create space, bang with the uppercut, and then, then it was all over. And uh, it was a great night. Now, I didn't see any post-fight interviews from you. I think that's the first event I've ever seen you at. I didn't. I literally was scrolling through other channels to see whether you'd done anything at all, and there wasn't one. I didn't find one. Did you do actually anything post-fight? I chose not to go to the press conference. That's why, I, then. I wasn't allowed in many places, but I was allowed in the press conference if I wanted to. But I've got... You know, I wasn't promoting the show. I was there to support him, you know, and I haven't really... Might... might seem a strange to say I didn't really want to stick my nose in didn't really have a lot to do with me um the, the journey over the last year has had quite a lot to do with me because when we sat down and you know he made it clear that he wanted to be undisputed we put a plan together where that could happen and that was you know fight Callum Smith fight Billy Joe Saunders then fight Caleb Plant um and get a mandatory out of the way on the way obviously I was involved with 80% of that, 85% of that. and But I didn't promote this show. I didn't really feel like I'll, uh, people wanted me around last week, not Canelo, but obviously the promoters of the event. Um, so I wasn't really going to stick my nose in trying to sort of get here, get there. I went to the change rooms. Um, I congratulated him. We had a nice uh, night afterwards at the restaurant and the club, and that was it, really. That was my role. I was kind of there as a fan. It's actually quite good for me to watch the event. And I came in with the public, you know, with the public fans, like normal, unlike normal. And um, I enjoyed the experience. Great, great response from the Mexican fans and all these fans. I mean, they couldn't have been nicer to me. It was actually quite um, refreshing. But he finished, went to his change room, congratulated everyone. Then we walked to the press conference. I swerved off to the bar, played some roulette. And uh, he finished up, then we met up after. But great night. How would you say as a whole for the three or four days you were there that you were kind of treated? You was a little bit sceptical about being around that environment you've spoken about where no one likes you, everyone... No, but you said that yourself. I'm not just saying that. You just said that they all don't like you. They couldn't have wanted me around less, basically. And it's weird because if I, if I was working in, in that space and I was there, I would be using me to drive stuff. I mean, I said, said the same to, um won't mention names, but some people who are the, like the BT guys that are out there. You know, you're mad, really. They're, but they'd rather not use me just out of ignorance and ego and, and rather than actually drive business. But it doesn't matter. Look, you take mental notes. And I'm um, sorry, we're just still setting up here. Um, you take mental notes and you don't forget it. So, but I don't expect any love. I mean, I said to my old man, I went, I don't really like that. He said, what do you expect? He said, do you think they really want you anywhere near America? So it is what it is. Uh, for the American fight fans, we hope we are doing a good job for you. And for the UK fight fans, support your boy out there taking on the world because that's what I'm doing. And I'm getting no favours. Every door's closed that we knock on but we keep smashing them down. Right. You, you must have saw Bob Arum out there, obviously. He was pretty much blank me and all. Oh. I mean, we did a show with him on Friday night with Hamadouchi. Hardly said a word to me. And then I watched some interview where he said, fuck Eddie Hearn and, you know, but 
Again, but you know, you just know where you stand. It's not a problem. But um, yeah, no, it was. It, it reminded me of the old days, really. You know, the old days in the UK where it was the same, same sort of thing. And then you just break them down, just like a fight, really, isn't it? Break them down, beat them up, and become undisputed. Did that in the UK. Now we're doing that in America as well. A uh, lot of speculation already after straight after the fight about what he'll do next. Um, Canelo to go back up to light heavyweight. What happens? I don't know. I think he's going to have a good rest because I mean he's been incredibly active. That's his fourth fight in less than a year. She's a brilliant to see a pound. Been unheard of at that level. Yeah, brilliant to see someone doing that. Um, I think he always thinks probably before the fight and before the camp that yeah I'd like to do that again maybe box in February. Um, I see him, I think he, he said in the press conference, May, I think he'll fight. And I think he'll uh, probably make his decision, I don't know, December, January. We'll be putting three or four options to him. I'm sure PBC will, I'm sure other people will. Across the weights. Yeah, yeah, across the weights. Um, look, I I think that the biggest fight out there, arguably the biggest fight in boxing, is is the Golovkin trilogy. Uh, that's a fight we can we can help be a part of. There's options at 175. There's options to fight in the UK. He'll look at all the options again. He's in a brilliant position to do so. And it's worked really well for him. You know, he did three fights with us, just boxed on the PBC. Sure, PBC have got other fights for him as well. We've got fights for him. Sure, there's other people that might make offers as well. And he'll look at them individually and make the best decision for himself. Um, He's done that now. He's become undisputed. He's created history. Um, First ever undisputed super middleweight champion. First Latino undisputed champion and um, what's next you know what what is next he's all about legacies about achievements and for me I love the Golovkin trilogy I also love him trying to be undisputed at 175 you know you've got Bivol there you've got Joe Smith there you've got Better Biev you've got three brilliant fights you know can he beat him what's the options I know you've kind of toyed with this idea of him potentially uh, if Sounds a bit unrealistic of him fighting in the UK next year. But what are the options if he if you were to put something to him for him to fight in the UK? Well, you've got John Ryder, who's mandatory at 168 um, for David Morrell. He's a guy that obviously could fight uh, for the championship as well. Chris Eubank, obviously with different network, but who knows? Um, he definitely wants to fight, not just in the UK, but around the world. And when it goes back to what is left to achieve after you've you've done that and you've become undisputed. And the answer is to do stuff like that. I'm sure he wants to fight in Asia, in the Middle East, you know, in, in Europe, in, in England. So uh, I think that, you know, it's, uh, he'll have his rest and then we'll present the options. And if he wants to fight in the UK, obviously, we'd be in a good place to facilitate that. What do you think the realistic chances of him actually fighting one of his mandatories of the super middleweight titles? Um, I think if it, I don't think he's actively out there looking to face his mandatories, but if it involves a fight in the UK, who knows? You know, it's really going to be as simple as they'll get to a point in December or January and they'll speak to everyone and they'll say, right, what's the options? And we'll say, this is our thoughts. Then PBC will say, this is our thoughts and everybody else. And he'll look at them all and he'll make a decision with Eddie Reynoso and he'll, he'll move forward and, We'll be obviously being as aggressive as we can be because, um, you know, obviously we'd love to promote him. 
being the lead promoter and and uh, staging his shows. There's a, a UK fighter in Zach Parker that sits at number one with the WBO. Yeah, I don't know how, the position in that or when it's going to get called. Um, it's another fight that, you know, he could look at. Um, but we'll have to see. Okay, that's your exploits in Las Vegas. Back to normality here in the UK. We're in Manchester, um, obviously ahead of December the 18th, live on the zone. Parker's Jazora 2. Um, yeah, your uh, your card actually is pretty good. Pretty I thought. Good. Yeah, it is pretty good. Mate, yeah. It's unbelievable. I know. I mean, it's, no, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's an unbelievable card. Come on. There's some dangerous fights in there, to be yeah, fair. It's a, it's a brilliant card. It's a brilliant night of boxing. But Parker Chisora 2, when I was thinking yesterday, about Del Boy's last two fights. He had to have those two fights behind closed doors. I think it's going to be a different kind of uh, event and diff- obviously a different kind of atmosphere and a different kind of spiciness on December 18th with a packed-out Manchester arena because that's when he performs best in front of people and with good energy. Um, I think this fight will be really exciting. I don't think it will go to distance. They've obviously measured each other up for 12 rounds. Very close fight last time out. Joshua Boatze against Vlasov is an unbelievable fight. Brilliant fight. I mean, I felt Vlasov beat Joe Smith last time out. Should be world champion. There's a lot of people, world of boxing, my guys there telling me they think that Vlasov is a favourite going into this fight. This is the last test for Joshua Boatze before he fights for the world title. Lerone Richards facing Carlos Gongora. That's a good fight. A very good fight. Super middleweight championship of the world. Brilliant fight. You know, you've seen um, Gongora flatten Akhmadov on the Golovkin card. Great win last time out as well. And that's a massive step up for Lerone Richards. Really looking forward to him fight. Zelfa Barrett faces Bruno Torimo. Really tough fight. Torimo ranked four, I think, in the IBF. Um, Zelfa is number three in the IBF. That's an official eliminator. Obviously, we're doing Agawa against Fuzili for the vacant world title. So you've got Joe Caldina. You've got Zelfa Barrett sort of queuing up now for that spot. Then you've got Jack Cullen against Kuka for the vacant European Super Middleweight Championship. I can't wait for him to get his opportunity because, uh, you know, that's well-deserved, that opportunity to become European champion. Loads more on the card. Jordan Thompson on the card. Rhiannon Dixon, who's here. Um, Cyrus Patterson, probably missed out someone else as well. And actually, there is still a little bit to be added to the card. Still. Um, and uh, cannot wait. Sandy Ryan. Sandy Ryan. Let's just uh, move back a week to December the 11th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conor Ben's opponent has been announced as uh, Chris Algieri. Um, yeah, every time Conor's opponents are announced, there's always people, and you're having to sort of not defend the choice of opponent, but Conor comes out the other day, sort of quite interesting. He put the, the opponents of like, uh, Boots Ennis and, and, and someone else, they're, they're 20th opponent who got their, their box wreck record. But um, are people being too harsh, oh, being critical? This is, this is a 50-50 fight. You just saw Chris Algieri beat Michael Lespierre, box really well. Um, people saying, oh, I haven't seen him for years. He's just boxed. Do you know what I mean? He's just put in a really good performance. This is a guy who's got three defeats on his record. Um, Errol Spence, Amir Khan in a really close fight, and Manny Pacquiao. That's it. He beat Provodnikov for the world title. He's a world-class fighter, you know, and and the response has been 90% brilliant, 10% people moaning. Look at the development of Conor Ben. His matchmaking has been absolutely perfect. Not perfect intentionally to be easy, but perfect for his development. Formella, 
The fight before Formella, he boxed Sean Porter, Formella. And you moan that he fights Conor Ben. But after that, Samuel Vargas, who just boxed um, Virgil Ortiz, had Amir Khan on his backside, and Conor Ben stops him in a round faster than anyone else. Right? Then goes to Leeds after that um, with another really good win. And now fights, fights Chris Algieri. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I mean, the, the progression is perfect. And we're not, we're not trying to trick him. All this stuff about um, Neil Marshall, Matram, O'Connor, the public. I'm being really honest. I think he needs another fight before he fights David Evan. If I was Connie, I'd say, no, David Avenesian, no one knows who he is. Why would we fight him? He don't sell a ticket. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he's really good. But I feel like David Avenesian, Connor needs a little bit more experience before he goes in with him. That's all. And Chris Algieri is a much higher profile fight than David Avenesian. I'm not saying he's as dangerous. Yes, he's, he may be technically better. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying, being honest with everyone, and saying Conor Ben is one of the biggest draws right now in the sport, let alone in British boxing. We've seen ticket sales yesterday. He's going into another city and he's going to fill up that arena. Right? Now the cards, which we'll come on to, are going to be fantastic as well. But this is a brilliant young British fighter that is really getting everybody talking. He's in a 50-50 fight and that's what it is against Chris Algieri, who I spoke to in Las Vegas, who is so excited to come and box in the UK, who is a real competitor who really believes they can win this fight. It's, it's a brilliant, brilliant fight and the perfect fight for him at, at the time. Uh, one of the gripes that I saw was that Algeria predominantly known uh, as a light welterweight. Yeah. So I was just... Yeah, he has been. And it, I think his last fight, he boxed a little bit heavier than that. But did you, if you see him on the scales, and you see him on the, the scales most of the time, against, he needs to move up to 147. Connor is not a huge 147. And I think it'll actually help Algeria up at 147 because I don't think he's as robust as he will be at 47. So you you can pick holes in everything. It is a brilliant, brilliant fight for Conor Ben and it will tell us exactly where we are. And when you talk about Sean Porter, you talk about Broner, you talk about Khan, you talk about Avanesian, they're the guys now. I always said, right, didn't I? Algieri, uh, Guerrero, um, Victor Ortiz. These are the guys we want. Always made that clear. We got one. Right? And then after that, we step up again. But get behind this young kid who is so exciting and he's going to be in such an exciting fight on the zone on December 11th. You know, he's crushing it in a gym. He's crushing numbers everywhere. You've seen it with, with, with your platform. We see it with the zone. And he's really, really exciting. And it's a brilliant fight. Um, yeah, I personally think this is a very good fight for his next progression. Oh, and, and no, but I'm just saying, if you want my opinion or not, shut your mouth for a second. No, but you've always said it would be one of Algeria for like the last, since the last fight with Granada, because it would be an Algeria and all teams all. So I don't know why anyone's moaning on that like they're surprised. The, the, the progression is, it's, it's nice and quick and it's nice and, uh, you know, the, the progression that we've gone through. Formella, um, Vargas, Granados, Algeria. 
This is perfect progression. Here's where I think your problem is, right? And I think there's nothing you can do about this. You've given so many interviews over the years and someone clipped out a bit from, I think it was after like, the Kel Brook, Frankie Gavin fight where you were saying about Chris Algieri fighting Amir Khan saying they couldn't, basically he wasn't a punch and it was, it was a clip that was put out the other day but you've said so much stuff over the years and then things come back to like if you really want to go around and start researching my interviews from five years ago which I think was longer than that from the Frankie Gavin fight wasn't it? four or five years ago Jesus Christ get yourself a life Firstly, oh my God, I found this clip from Herm six years ago. Oh, the forums are going to love this one. Oh, you wait till I tell my mates on the boxing um, nutters messenger group. Oh, they're going to, oh, I'm going to be the king. Fuck's sake. Get a life. <laughs> but I feel like as time progresses, because you've done so much interviews and there's things that you've said. You want me to be accessible. You want me to do interviews. Sometimes at certain times, five years or whatever, I'm going to say something that over a period of time might be wrong, right? Maybe I shouldn't have said it. Or maybe just over an involvement of time, something's changed, right? Just seriously, if you want to be a hero and get a clip of me for an interview saying something six years ago, congratulations. But it's a great fight. It's the perfect fight for Conor Ben. It's a 50-50 fight. And we roll in Manchester December 11, December 18 to finish the year in style. Any updates on um, AJ and Usyk rematch? No. Spoke to Alex Krasuk. We're going to meet up. We've got a really busy run coming up. We've got 10 shows in seven weeks in six different countries, starting obviously this weekend in Sheffield. So... Um, I've got to find time to go and see him. We're going to meet up somewhere and start looking at options. I still think end of March, April is a realistic time frame for that. Um, and yeah, everything hunky-dory. Would you say that the UK is still a f the front runner for yeah, geography-wise? Yeah, I think we'll look at all options. And yeah, we've had a few approaches on it, but I would like to do it back in the UK. I think uh, the atmosphere last time was great and I'd love to do it again. I mean, just off the back of like Joshua's situation regarding going out to America, we're assuming that he will at some point in the very near future go back to America to do some more training out there? Yeah, I've got just swamped by questions when I was over there in, in America. You know, who's he going to, what's he doing? And I said, it wasn't, it wasn't out there on an interview process. He was just going to have a look and speak to people. Um, I, I do uh, believe he'll go back. And he'll go out and probably train with these people or some of the people that he saw. And then he'll make his decision. I, you know, I think anything's possible at the moment. I just think it's a good idea for him to change scenery. That's only my personal opinion. Only he knows. People, in, again, in America, who do you think he should go with? I said, whoever he's comfortable with. It's not a case of, you know, and it's not, there's no decisions made on if he'll go, who he'll go, what he'll do. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, will you be going out to Mexico next week? For the WBC convention? Yes. Um, again, the issue is, obviously, we finish our show on Saturday, and then next Friday we've got our quadruple header world championship fight um, on the East Coast. So it's getting... So it's getting uh, in the middle of going to Mexico and also taking care of obligations for that show as well. Did you see uh, that little picture of Dana White watching yeah. the Canelo and Plant fight? I thought that was a bit of uh, 
Hold on. Just a little bit then. Uh, go on then, crack on. Crack on, mate. Go on. Don't worry about it. Um, um, did I see Dana White? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think that was a great look, to be honest with you. I mean, I know what he was doing. I, I think it was a mixture of probably, one, he had a bet on. Two, you want to know where the other show that you're competing with on a pay-per-view platform is up, is running against you time-wise. Um, but I just think... Obviously, the co-main event was in there, and I think if you were the fighter, you know, whether it's the right look or not, but, you know, he's Dana White, isn't he? Okay. Um, are you announcing the rest of the card for December the 11th? Yes, when? Today, actually. Tickets have just gone on general sale. Um, Katie Taylor will be fighting her mandatory, which we'll announce shortly. Um, we've got a European title fight on the card. Um, we've got Joe Caldina um, in a really good fight. We've got Hopefully, Robbie Davis Jr. in a really big fight. A few other Liverpool lads on the card as well. So, hopefully, get to announce that tonight. Okay. Have you got anything else you'd like to add before we finish? Mm, no. Sheffield this week. We'll Sheffield talk about that more yeah, this week. Thursday press conference for that. World Championship doubleheader. Chris Billum-Smith. And then over to America for Golden Boy show. Uh, Mungia against Rosado as well. So, doubleheader on the zone this Saturday. And uh, just getting ready for a massive run. Eddie, thank you very much. We'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast, sponsored by William Hill, in association with Lonsdale MTK Global. Sports Social Podcast Network.